Welcome to the Compass Podcast, featuring Chris Shandro and the Compass team. We hope this message is just for you. So we took our daughter to Minneapolis for a college visit this weekend. And uh, apart from all of the, like, devastating emotional baggage that comes with taking your first to a college visit, we had about a seven-hour drive up to Minnesota from, from Bloomington. And it was, you know, if you go up Route 39, up through Rockford, and I'll just be honest, it is the worst drive in the world. It's just, ugh, terrible. But it got worse when we got to Wisconsin, because as soon as we broke across the state border into Wisconsin, I don't know if this is, like, something they teach in driver's ed up there, but as soon as we hit Wisconsin... Everybody drove in the left-hand lane on the interstate. Everybody. And so, like, if you know me, I'm about efficiency. And I won't say that I speed. I just say I'm an efficient driver. And so I'm about getting to my place as fast as I can. And we would be in Wisconsin. I'd be driving, and I would scoot on over, and there would be someone in the left lane. And I'm, I'm not even exaggerating when I say there were multiple times when we went like five minutes where there were two cars right next to each other in the right and left-hand lane, just pacing each other. It was driving me crazy. And as I was driving, I was just imagining, just imagining what it would look like if I had like a giant arm in my van that could reach up ahead and like a crane lift that vehicle up off the road and just place it in the lane next to, in the the right-hand lane. Because here's the thing, I could place them in that lane and it wouldn't even change anything they were doing at all, right? Because they weren't going faster than anyone anyway. I'm all about getting further faster, and I just needed that left-hand lane cleared. Remove the obstacles, remove the hurdles. If you are a left-lane driver, I apologize. You are a hurdle and an obstacle to me. I'm just going to say it. (laughs) All about getting further faster. And that's, we're in the, mis- in the middle of a launch initiative, and it's, a launch, it's basically a generosity initiative that is all about making sure that we as a church can go further faster. And it's about removing people and, ve- not people, that was wrong to say, it's about removing vehicles that are in the left-hand lane, getting them over into the right, and clearing a path so that we can go as far as possible, as fast as we possibly can, as efficiently as we possibly can, because we believe this, God has called us to a mission to make him accessible to everyone in our community and around the world. And we believe that he has placed us in this specific and unique time in the history of our church, in this brand new building, and moving beyond that to do something incredible in partnership with him. And we want to do everything that we possibly can to remove every barrier, to remove every hurdle, so that we can go as as far and as fast as we possibly can to make a difference in our world. And uh, so anyway, so I want to talk about that a little bit today in week three of this, this message series I want to talk to you about a story that Jesus told. It was a parable that he shared. Jesus taught a lot in parables. They were kind of allegories that illustrated a spiritual truth. Uh, And he talked about things that were familiar to his audience that then he could connect to the kingdom of God or or to the nature of God, a relationship with God. And oftentimes when he told a parable, he would start it out this way. He would say, the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven is like, and then he would tell a story. So in many ways, what Jesus really was trying to do, he was trying to explain to people, what is a relationship with God? What is it that God wants to do in your life? How does God function in our lives? And how do we, as followers of Jesus, in this new kingdom that God has created, how is our life supposed to be shaped and formed within that? So I'll just tell you now, if you are here today... Maybe it's your first time at Compass. Maybe you're totally not a church person. I mean, you definitely wouldn't say you're a follower of Jesus. I'm thrilled that you're here. Thank you so much for joining us today. Um, You can kind of kick back and relax. I'm going to be talking to the people of Compass a lot today. And uh, maybe I'll, you know 
throw some zingers at them, and you can just high-five me like, yeah, you got those church people, Chris. Way to go. So I hope you enjoy it from that perspective. If you're a guest and you're just kind of checking out new churches, we're going to be talking about the heartbeat of Compass. And so if you're looking for a place to call your church home, this is a good one because we're going to talk about what it is that we are all about as a church. If you are a Compass person, buckle up. Here we go. So this is in Matthew chapter 25, verse 14, and Jesus tells this parable. He says, again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants, and he entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, and get this, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. And he then left on his trip. So we know this, that the man in this parable that Jesus is telling, he's wealthy, He's got a lot of resources. Jesus told this story another time in the Gospel of Luke in a different account. Uh, Maybe a a different time that he told it, but in Luke's story, uh, Jesus said it was a king. So we know that this is a person who has a lot. He has, he rules, he has servants, he has people who work for him, employees. He's, He's a shot caller. He is a boss. And we know this, he was going on a long trip. Now I think it's interesting, Jesus was very specific to say he was going on a long trip. He was going to be gone for a while. And so since he was going to be gone for a while and he needed to run his empire, he needed to entrust some of his guys to make sure that he could make stuff happen and get things done. Now, there's something in here that I think is super interesting. Maybe if you're a Christian or you're a Bible person, you've heard this story told. It's the parable of the talents. And the the original language, it talks about a talent, not necessarily a bag of silver. The New Living Translation has, has used bag of silver to make it kind of relevant to us so we can grasp it. But in the original language, in the original Greek, it was the word talent. Now, a talent is actually a measurement of money. So back then, talent was like, it was a quarter or a nickel or a dollar. It, it measured amounts of precious metal, amounts of money. A talent was the biggest amount of measurement that they had to measure money at the time. A talent was a lot. In fact, a talent was so much. I want you to, I want you to understand how much money this guy had entrusted to his servants, One talent back then is equivalent to 20 years' annual salary. 20 years. That means that one talent was probably about a million dollars. Five talents, multiple millions of dollars, probably around five million dollars. Take your annual salary, multiply it times 20, and you're the guy who got the least amount of money in this story, okay? So the the master, he's going to be gone for a long time. And he entrusted his servants with a lot of money to run his business, to run his kingdom, and to make sure things were working the way that they were supposed to go. There's another interesting thing that I think is super important for us to grasp with this. Not only did the master entrust them with, to them, was a ton of money. But Jesus makes it really clear that the master, he knew the abilities of his servants. Now why is this relevant? If you were investing a ton of your money, if you were investing millions of dollars, and you wanted a return on that investment, what would you do? You'd get on Google, you find out who's the best financial advisor in town, um, who is the best person to talk to about getting a return on investment. We have, happen to have him here in our, in our church. It's Jake Rolfe, just so you know, if you need to talk to him. Um, who's that person? And I'm giving that guy all my money, okay? I'm giving him everything, because I want the biggest return that I can possibly get. But that's not what this, this guy did. In fact, this guy took all of his money and he split it up among three servants. But not just three servants. He split it up among three servants who all had different abilities. 
And two of those guys had worse abilities to invest his money than the first guy. And the master knew their abilities. He knew what they were capable of, which is crazy to me because knowing what they were capable of, he took part of it and gave it to their most talented guy, and the biggest part, but he gave it to him. Then he took part of it and gave to the second most talented guy, which I would understand. Give a guy a shot. Maybe he'll do great. You know, maybe he'll rise to the challenge. But then he gave a third of it to the person who had the least amount of ability, of ability at all. I mean, that doesn't make sense when you think about wanting a return on your investment. And there's a couple observations I'm just going to share out of this story that, as I read it, kind of pop out to me that I think are relevant to us um, in understanding the kingdom of God and understanding this thing that those of us who are followers of Jesus are part of, particularly here at Compass. And the first thing is this. God desires your involvement more than he desires a greater return on his investment. God wants you to be involved in his kingdom more than he desires the biggest return on his investment. If God wanted the biggest return on his investment, he'd go find, like, who's the Mother Teresa on earth right now? And he would just say, let's just give it all to her. Okay, she's got this. He'd be like, Chris, I mean, he's like a, he's like a 3 out of a 10. This chick's a 10. I'm just giving her all my money. And can I tell you, I am so glad that that is not how God works. I'm so glad that God looked at me and he said, man, he's a little rough around the edges. Uh, he fumbles his words sometimes. He spits a lot when he talks. And he's, but you know what? I want him to be involved. I want him to be involved in my kingdom. And so I'm going to resource him according to his abilities. And can I tell you something? You have abilities. Now, some of you guys, some of you are very confident. You're like, I know I got abilities. You're preaching in the choir. You know, thumbs up. Some of you... You look at Facebook, and you look at all of people's highlight reels, and you look at all of people's, you know, Instagram stories, and you're looking at it and going, man, everyone else is so awesome, and I stink. I don't have, I don't have as much money as they do. I'm not as good looking as they are. I'm not as funny or as talented. I don't have as many friends. I don't have as many connections. I don't have as many opportunities. And you look at yourself and you evaluate yourself based on a comparison with all the other people who you perceive in the world and in your life and on social media. And in evaluating yourself that way, you see yourself as not very much. And let's just assume, let's assume for the sake of argument that you're right. Let's assume for the sake of argument that you're not very much. Even if you're not, you know what? Your heavenly father sees value in you and he wants you to be involved and he wants to invest in you because he cares more about your involvement in his kingdom than he does on the greatest return that he could get in his kingdom. That is amazing to me. God wants you involved. He wants you to be involved, invested in growing his kingdom. Story continues. To the servant who received the five bags of silver, he began to invest the money, and he earned five more. When it's like, duh, this was the guy who had the most talent, the most ability. Of course you're going to give him the most money. He's going to make the most back. And then the servant who had two bags of silver, he also went to work, and he earned two more. And of course, he was also very talented. Maybe he's not the number one guy, but he's gifted. But the servant who received one bag of silver, he dug a hole in the ground, and he hid the master's money. Now, I kind of get this, because if you, if you struggle with, with perception of yourself and seeing a lot of value in yourself, I think those of us who, who see ourselves that way, that sometimes when we see ourselves as less, we see our value as the least, I think it's the harder for us to want to give and be invested in other things because we think we might have the least to offer. 
I don't have what they have. I don't know why anyone would be asking me to invest or to give or to be part of anything because I'm not them. If you want this result, go ask them. Don't ask me. I, I don't have it. And then after a long time, story continues, after a long time, their master returned from his trip and he called all of his servants together to give an account of how they had used his money. Now, again, this is important. Remember, he went off on a long trip. He was gone for a long time. It, right there in the story, after a long time. Now, remember, this is an allegory, right? This is a parable Jesus is using to illustrate the kingdom of God. And Jesus says the master was gone for a long time. The master was not physically hands-on leading the business, leading the company, leading the kingdom. He entrusted his servants to do it, and he resourced them to do it. And then he was gone months, maybe years. He was gone long. Here's the thing. It wasn't just like, here, hold my wallet for a second. Okay, that was not what this was. This was literally like, I have to give you what you need to manage this thing for years. I need you to, to be able to run this thing indefinitely in my absence is how he left it. Now, as an allegory of the kingdom of God, what is, what is Jesus saying here? Think about this. The, the kingdom of God, as we, as followers of Jesus, live in this. As citizens of God's kingdom that we are as followers of Jesus. When did the kingdom of God begin for us? We're, as followers of Jesus, it, it began with Jesus, right? 2,000 years ago, the kingdom of God for us, the kingdom of God that we are citizens in and that we are part of, began 2,000 years ago. That's how long it has existed. That's 80 generations ago. 80 generations of people, 80 generations of people who have followed Jesus have come and have gone since Jesus walked this earth. That means there were people who said, yes, I'm going to follow Jesus, who believed that someday Jesus was going to return in this, and bring his kingdom with him, and it never happened. In fact, we are the only generation right now that is still alive expecting Jesus to come and return right now while we see him. Which means this, Jesus' allegory of a master who was gone for a long time, it plays out in our lives. And here's why it plays out in our lives. is because when the master gave those resources to his servants, he was entrusting them with the full control and responsibility and authority for the well-being and growth of his kingdom. He may very well have not returned before one of those servants had passed on or died, and his, and his responsibilities have been passed on to his children or to someone else. And we, in the same way, as those servants who are entrusted with complete authority and responsibility for, the, for the, the kingdom of the master, we are exactly in that same position. God has placed us as his followers, as citizens of his kingdom. He has given us that calling, that authority, that responsibility. And here's the, here's the second observation. You and I are responsible for the well-being and the growth of God's kingdom. You. Now, that's a tough thing to think about, right? Because we, we'll sit in church and we'll be like, we are responsible for the well-being and the growth of God's kingdom. When we say we, we mean the pastor. <laughs> or we mean the ministry leaders. And we mean the people who, like, really, who run things. And, you know, my job is to sit and to clap and sing songs so they feel like they're doing a good job. And that's my way of saying when you clap and laugh, it makes me feel like I'm doing a good job. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. You guys are fast learners, and that's why I love this church. But here's the thing. And, and we, we'll even sit back and we'll say, you know what? God, this is your kingdom to build, and I'm just going to like live my life, and I'm just going to 
pray and I'm going to read my Bible and I'm just going to just watch and see what you do and it's going to be great. That is not how the kingdom of God functions. The kingdom of God is that our master has resourced us because he wants every single one of us to be involved, right? And he resources all of us according to our abilities. Nobody is left out. And then he says this, go do it. Go take care of it. Here's my kingdom. Grow it. Cause it to flourish. Here's my kingdom in your life. See it develop. Here's the kingdom I want to see developed in the lives of the other people in this world who don't know me yet, who aren't part of it. Go and invite them in. Bring them in to be part of this thing. We are the servants in the story. And we are responsible for the growth of the kingdom of God in this world. And God has given us authority for the growth and the flourishing of the kingdom of God in this world. And I know if you look at that, it's easy to look at that from a negative perspective and go, oh, crap, I don't want that much. That's too much, okay? I don't want to feel that pressure. Because, like, what happens with pressure, right, is that feeling of failure, it's like, well, okay, I took that seriously one time, and I tried this thing, and I, maybe I started a small group at my house, and it tanked, and nobody came, and it stunk, and I feel like an idiot and a failure, I'm never doing that again, so I'm not putting my neck out there, and it's like, if I'm accountable and responsible for this thing, I can fail, and that's a lot of pressure, and I want to just, I want to give you a second way, a different way to think about that. It's not about thinking about the failure, it's about thinking about the fact that your Father in Heaven trusts you and believes in you and wants you to be part of, of the responsibility of the development of his kingdom so much that whatever your ability level, he says, come on, let's do this thing. Here's your part. Here's your role. And it also means this, that failure is an option. When God invests in those of us whose ability is maybe less than others, God's saying, it's all right if you fail as long as you're involved. As long as you get in, as long as, you, as long as you become a part of this thing that I'm calling you to be a part of. The story continues, and we're going we're to see some more kind of talking about this as well. Matthew 25, verse 20. The servant who he'd entrusted the five bags of silver came forward. He had five more. He says, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest, and I've earned them. And the ma- Of course he did. And the master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small amount. So now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's go party together. Let's do this. Then the servant who had received the two bags of silver, he came forward and he says, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I earned two more. I doubled it. And the master says, Well, good, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more opportunities and responsibilities, so let's celebrate together. I love this, first of all, that the master likes to party. That's just a side note, but like, I believe my God likes parties. Yes? Okay. But dude, check this out. This is mind-boggling. And I guarantee you that when Jesus' audience heard this story, that this blew their minds too. And I think we we miss this in this story a lot, right? We miss the fact that the talents, these bags of silver that Jesus gave these guys was so valuable. And I promise you, when Jesus told that to his audience at the time, they were like, whoa, someone gave their servants millions of dollars, our servants? What? And check this out. When the master comes back, and he sees what those guys did. He says, he says this. He says, you've been faithful in handling this small amount. To everyone else, to us, that amount of money is ridiculous. It's insane. You live on that forever. And yet to the master, it was just this small amount. And Jesus goes out of his way twice to highlight the fact 
that to the master, what he'd invested in his servants was just pocket change. It wasn't a big deal to him. He could, he could lose that, and it wasn't, it wasn't an issue. It was, it was small. It was nothing. It was, I mean, it was a test. It was, just, it was just extra cash that the master had laying around. And Jesus goes out of his way to point out the fact that, that one of these guys had a hundred years' worth of money based on an average annual salary. And Jesus went out of his way to point out that to the master, it was nothing. And this is so cool, is that when he celebrated with his servants, he didn't celebrate the money. He didn't say this, well done, my good and faithful servant. Look at all of this cash. Look at all that we can do with this. Let's count it up. Let's add it up. Wow, this bank account is awesome. I love me some money, 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 money me. You know, that wasn't, that wasn't what he said. Well done, my good and faithful servant. And what did he celebrate? What was the thing? He says, well done. This is the best part. He says, you were faithful. He says, you cared about what I cared about. You put my priorities first in your life. You put my interests first in all of this. It wasn't wasn't even about the money. It was about the fact that the master's servants said, I care about your kingdom, and I'm going to make sure that with whatever you've given me that I am advancing your kingdom, your interests, your priorities, and the things that you care about the most. My daughter, Cameron, plays guitar. And just saying, I play guitar. I played guitar for many, many years, and I've accrued a lot of guitar stuff. Music's like a super important part of my life. I just am very passionate about it, and I always have been. And my daughter, Cameron, um, she started playing guitar several years ago. And when, if you have kids, you know that when your kids start taking lessons or doing a sport or something, like, you don't know if it's going to stick. You don't know if it's going to last. I mean, we did Taekwondo with our kids, and that was awesome for three weeks. And then it was like, nope. So it's like, what if I'd spend a ton of money on a bunch of outfits and stuff? And so when you have kids and you start off, you don't invest a lot of money in those things. You start off and you just try stuff out. And so when she started playing guitar, um, she, got, she got her first guitar. It was a gift. And it was good. And it was like, that's what she needs. She just needs a little electric guitar. And then just a little cheap, like $20, bought it at a pawn shop practice amp. And that's what she had in her room. She's playing it. So she wanted to start playing on the worship team. And, and I was like, I would hear her playing in there. And I'd be like, oh, man. I was like, this, no, it was good. Was, <laughs> but I was like, I was like, I was like, it's good. But man, it, that would sound a lot better if she had like a delay pedal. And if she had a delay pedal, I think that would be, it would be a lot better. So I was like, I was like you know what, Cameron, here, you, you need the, uh, here's my delay pedal. I'll just pull it off my pedal board. Um, but when you're playing for worship, use this. Because what you're doing is good, but it's just going to make it a lot better. I just want to resource you with this. And she's like, great, awesome. And then I left the room, and I heard her practicing, and it did sound a lot better. And I was like, but you know what? Like, she, she's going to be playing more. She probably needs more pedals, and she probably needs more options. And so I was like, I tell you what, just take, put that delay pedal back on my board. Just use my pedal board when you're playing for worship, okay? So just whenever you're going to worship, use it. When you're done, you can put it back in my room. But use my pedal board, and that way you have a bunch of options, and, and you'll be better. Because, I mean, obviously I care about worship too. And so she's getting better. She's doing worship. It was awesome. And so she took my pedal board, and it was great. And I heard it. I was like, man, it sounds way better. And I was like, but gosh, that amp is just trash. It's just a garbage amp. I was like, well, I mean, I have my amp. And I, you know, I've had it for like 20-some years. It's vintage. It's awesome. How weird is it that I'm old enough to have bought something new and now it's vintage? But um, I was like, 
Cam- here, Cameron, play, use my amp. Yours is just hot trash. You know, you can use it to practice in your room, but use mine whenever you're playing because then you, it, it'll make you sound better. And so she did. She's playing worship, and, and it's sounding so much better. And then I was like, man, she's just rocking it. But I was like, I really think the thing that would make her sound even better is if she had, like, she had a really, like, top-line guitar. I mean, she's got a really good entry-level guitar, and she makes it sing. But I was like, I don't know. I'm not, gonna, I'm not buying her one because I'm not spending $1,000 on this thing for her yet. But, but you know what? I've got this guitar. So Cameron, here, play this. Don't you dare scratch it. Don't drop it. You protect it and you cherish it, but play this guitar, and then I think, I think that'll make you sound even better. And so she did, and it was awesome. Fast forward. Like, I, right now, I have no guitar stuff. All of my guitar stuff is in her bedroom. Every bit of it. If, and this is ridiculous, but if I ever just have the itch and I want to play guitar, I have to go into my daughter's bedroom. Like, I'm, can I play guitar, Cameron? <laughs> but here's the thing. She is investing and working at something that I am passionate about. I care a lot about guitar playing. I care a lot about worship. And when one of my kids invests in something or is, is involved in something or cares about something that I'm passionate about, I will resource it. I will put all of my resources towards it because it matters to me. And like students, like if you're in here, I'm just going to tell you right now, if you care about something mom and dad care about, they'll, they'll, they'll give you money towards it, right? Like if my kids want to go see a movie that I care about, I'm like, let's go right now. I'll buy it. If it, I don't care about the movie, I'm like, eh, we really can't afford it. I'm sorry, guys. You know? <laughs> like if my kids ever, my kids were ever like, dad, you know what would be awesome? I just want to eat some sushi right now. I'm like, let's go right now, anytime. Let's do it. They never will. And, but, but I'm just telling you, If they love something I care about, I will resource it. I will pour all of my resources into it. And your heavenly father, when you care about the things that he cares about, when you are involved in the things that he is passionate about, man, he will throw all of his guitar equipment your way. He'll be like, you know what? Don't play that little junk that you're playing because that, that amp's garbage. I want you to have the best because you're investing in something that matters to me. And this is, like, this is kind of the third observation, and it's this. It's that God resources what he's passionate about. Your heavenly Father will resource what he's passionate about in your life. And when we align our lives to what God cares about and what he's passionate about, and we, when we get involved when 100% of his people say, I'm involved, and then when we align the resources that he's given us according to our, our own abilities, maybe for some it's a lot, maybe for some it's just a very little. It, to God, it doesn't even really matter because God's not about the return. God's about the involvement in the things that he cares about. And when we're involved in what God's passionate about, God will resource it. Check, the, check this out. Look at, look at how, how it continues, and Jesus continues to tell the story. He says, then the servant with the one bag of silver, he came and he said, he's like, master, and this is, this is basically like the excuses. It's like, well, I mean, I, you know, I was, I was afraid, you know, I heard you have a reputation as getting really angry, and, you know, sometimes I just, I didn't want you to get mad at me, and I didn't want to lose any money, and I wanted to make sure that, like, you at least got back what you started with, and so I just decided I would dig a hole, and I would just put it in there, and he's like, really, like, I did it for your wife and kids, because I didn't want you to come home angry and, like, ruin their whole night. That's not cool. I just wanted everything, you know, and he's just, excuses, excuses. This is why I didn't get involved, but in his mind, he's like, but it's no big deal, because here's everything that you gave me to begin with. He's like, you didn't lose anything, right? And, and, and some, of us, some of us can kind of have that mentality with God. It's like, well, God, you didn't lose anything. And look at, what, look at what, what the master says. 
He, well, actually, this is not going to be on the screen. The master replied. He says, you wicked and lazy servant. He just got all of his money back. Every dime, he got it all back. You wicked and lazy servant. He's like, if you knew that I was that type of guy, if you felt like I was so going to be so mad at you, why didn't you at least invest it in a, a bank account where I'd get like 1% interest? Well, at least I could have gotten something. And here's the thing, man. God, God wants you to be involved. God wants to resource you to invest in his kingdom. God is okay with, with, your, with our failure. If we're running towards him, if we're running towards what he cares about, he is okay with us if we fail, if we don't make it. Because that's not what God cares about. God's not, God's not in it for the money. God's in it for us to be part of his kingdom and to grow in his kingdom and to care about his kingdom and to expand his kingdom. Man, I want my kids, man, you know, it would be great if somebody of my kids were rich and had a lot of money and could buy me a house. And I'm just saying that in faith. Like, I'm going to put that out there in the universe and tell my kids who are in the room right now, that's a thing I would love. But if my kids are rich and are successful and have everything that the world says is success in life, and yet my relationship with my children is damaged, and my relationship with my children is broken, and we don't share the same values, and they don't care about the things that matter to me, then all the money in the world that they have is meaningless to me. I want them involved in my life. I want my kids involved in my kingdom. And your heavenly father says, I just want my kids involved in my kingdom. Like, I don't know, maybe, if you ever, maybe there's business owners here. Like, you ever just think or dream about the idea of like someday, you know, I'll be able to hire my kids and we'll have a family business and like, you know, it'll be like, Smith and sons, or Smith and daughters and sons, you know, whatever. And it's like, that's my business, and it's just, it'll go on a family business for generations. That's like so cool to like dream about that. And like, God is up in heaven, and he's like, I don't give a rip if you, how much money you make for this business. I just want this to be God and sons and daughters, you know? I want that to be the name of this kingdom. That's what I want up on the sign. And he's inviting us to do it. And he's asking us to do it. And I'm telling you, we could give back God every little bit that he invests in us and say, God, I didn't lose any of it. And I got it all back for you. Here's your return. And he's going to say, I don't care about that. I just wanted you to be part of what I'm doing in this world. Look at what the master does after this. It says, then the master ordered, take the money from this servant, give it to the one who had 10 bags of silver. Give it to the guy who, who earned, the, earned the money the most. And then he says this. He says, to those who use well what they are given, even more will be given. And this is the best part of this. I, to those who use well what, what I give them, I'm going to give more to them. And then he says, and they will have an abundance. So I'm going to give them more to invest, but I'm going to give them so much more that they're just going to look at the life and go, this, I have way more than I need. I have way more than I could possibly need or desire. And then he says this, but from, tho from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Jesus could have told the parable this way. He could have said this. He, he could have said, I gave five bags of silver to the first guy. He said, I, I gave five bags of silver to the second guy. And to the third guy... I gave him one copper coin. And Jesus could have told the story that the man with the one copper coin, while he was gone, he invested that one little copper coin, worthless, basically. I mean, a penny. And then the man with the one copper coin, he found a way to invest it into that kingdom. 
and he got a return, and he doubled it. He just brought another little penny. And the other two guys with all the silver, they could be like, whatever, dude, ridiculous. You know, look at me. And you know what God would say to the, to the servant with one cop, copper coin who brought a return, who invested the little that he had, the, based on the ability that God already knew he had, he would say, well done, my faithful servant. You have been faithful with what I've given you. And not only have you been faithful, you've been so faithful with what I have, I'm going to give you more and to abundance. Because it's not about numbers, it's not about amounts, it's about involvement, it's about faithfulness, and it's about investing ourselves in God's kingdom and in his purposes. Now as I close up, I just want to really quickly help us understand, like, the kingdom of God, this thing that Jesus is talking about, what is this kingdom of God? In Romans chapter 14, the apostle Paul, he kind of creates a, a, a definition for us. And he says this, the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink. Kingdom of God is not about rules. It's not about, I got to eat this, I got to drink this, I can't eat this and I can't drink that. It's not about like religious legalism. That's not the kingdom of God. And if, if you've ever thought that's what Christianity or following Jesus is, I'm just telling you, you're wrong. And the people who you, who you learned that from, who were living that way, they are also wrong because that's not the kingdom of God. Because this is what Paul says the kingdom of God is about. The kingdom of God is this. It's living a life of goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. See, the kingdom of God is not rules and regulations. It's not following a strict code. And neither is the kingdom of God this thing that we will experience someday when we die in heaven. It's not this eternity that's planned for us someday and we just got to hold our breath until we get there. The kingdom of God is a right now kingdom. It exists in us literally right now. And it's, it's a kingdom of love and of joy and of peace and experience God's presence, experiencing his Holy Spirit. And then it's about not only experiencing those things, but distributing those things and reproducing those things in the lives of other people who are not yet in this kingdom. I mean, we're citizens of the United States. I mean, I, I assume most of us in this room are citizens of the United States. We have citizenship. We have birthright. We have responsibilities that go with it. We pay taxes. But bigger than that, we are part of a different and a bigger and a more important kingdom. And God says, I want you to be involved in it. He says, I need you to be involved in it because I've given you responsibility and authority. You i brought all my servants together and I've resourced them and I've said, I want you guys to do this. Now go and do it. We're in this together. And that's the thing. Like, this is the, the, the coolest part of all of this. I mean, it's kind of the craziest part. It's that there's not, there's not some other plan. Like if we just sit in our seats and we say, you know, that's cool, but you know, I kind of like just letting you guys just do your thing and I can kind of observe and I'll, you know, I follow God and I read the Bible and I pray and stuff and it makes me feel better, but like I just trust him to kind of do this stuff. Man, if that's, if that's, how, you, if that's how you live your life, then you're missing out on, on this crucial and important fact that there's not a plan B. One of our core values as a church is that we are God's plan A. There isn't plan B. The church is his plan to advance his kingdom. The church is his plan to reach people who are hurting and broken and far from God, who are just devastated by a life of brokenness and hurt and sin. Lives that we lived before we came into this kingdom that we're part of now. We were not born into this kingdom. This, it's a kingdom of adoption. It's a kingdom of being welcomed in and invited to be part of a new family. And the invitation is open to everybody. And it didn't stop when the door closed behind us. 
In fact, when we walked into this kingdom, God gave us a bunch of invite cards. And he said, go pass those out. We are plan A, and there isn't a plan B. And so when Jesus tells the story of servants who God wanted to be involved, regardless of their skill set, ability, regardless of their amount of resources, he wanted them to be involved and invested, who he'd given responsibility and authority to, and who he resourced because they cared about the things that he cared about, he's talking about us. And specifically in our launch initiative, you know, we are just, next week, we're actually going to take our commitments we're going to take our first offering towards a two-year giving initiative that we are taking part of as a church because we believe in what God wants to do through the ministries of this church. We believe in that. We believe in investing in the things that God cares about. We are going to give and make commitments that are above and beyond what our normal giving is. When Terry and I, this is the biggest pledge, the biggest gift that Terry and I will ever give as a church, and we've seen some other pledges, and they've blown my mind, the amount of faith that some of the people in this church have, and just who've been talking to us about what they're going to be doing. And, and when we do this, our normal giving continues. This goes above and beyond that, but it's okay because we believe that God is true to his word and that those who are faithful with a little, with a small amount, which is crazy that to the master was just peanuts, to us it's everything, but God's like, well, that's nothing to me. Just be generous with what I've given you, and I will give you more, even to abundance. And I just want to tell you this. Last night, um, we had a leadership get-together with some of the key ministry leaders and influencers in our church, people who are, um, I mean, just key leaders at, at Compass. And we got together with about 40 of them, and we made our commitments last night in advance of everyone else because we wanted to lead. We wanted to take the first step in moving in the direction that we want to go as a church. And we wanted to be able to say, we are in this. Follow me as I follow Christ. And I just want to tell you, last night we took commitments just from, just from key leaders in the church. And again, there's probably 40. Not even everyone made their commitment last night. Our first batch of commitments came in for launch. And overall, just among our leaders, we had $200,000 that was pledged for the launch initiative. And that happened because there are people sitting around you right now who say, I believe in what God is doing, and I care about what God cares about, and I'm willing to put everything I have towards that because I trust Him. And I believe this, I might fail. I might chase this pledge, chase this commitment down, and go at it with all that I possibly can. And I might fall short. I might fall on my face. And you know what God is going to say if I do? He's going to pick me up and he's going to say, well done, my faithful servant, because you are faithful with what you had. Because God cares about involvement. And that's what we want. We want 100% involvement. We want everyone who calls Compass their church to say, I'm in. Now for you, maybe that's you know, we had someone pledge $50,000. I would love that there's someone in here who's like, I'm in for $50,000. Maybe for you, that's you. Maybe for you, you're like, dude, you don't know my budget. You don't know my bank account. And I don't, I, you know, I don't have anything. I can't do this. For you, maybe it's $5 a week. But that's okay. Because you know what God's going to say when you invest your $5 a week? You did it. Let's celebrate. Let's party. You gave $5 a week, and I just spit really big right there. God is doing something in our church. He's doing something amazing in people's lives, and he's inviting us to be a part of it. In fact, I'm going to ask our hospitality team to come right now. We're going to give you guys an opportunity to give this morning. Um, and I just want to tell you, 
make sure you mark your calendars and you come next week, okay? Because next week is Ignition Sunday. Next week we are going to take our commitments as, as a church at large. It is going to be one of the biggest Sundays in the history of Compass, okay? So I don't want you to miss it. I, I want you to be here to be part of it. And as part of Ignition Sunday, we make our commitments. We're going to have our Ignition offering. And we're asking everyone to give as much as you possibly can, as fast as you can to that pledge. And so whatever you pledge, maybe, maybe God put a number of $8,000 in your heart that you want to give over the next two years, and you have $1,000 in savings that you could give. We're asking you to, to put that in and to do it. And then over the next two years, your pledge drops to 1000 But we're just asking you that to, to, as fast as we can, we want to go as fast and as far as we can, believing this, that when we do that, God's going to continue to come up behind us. He's going to resource us. God's going to move those left-hand drivers out of that lane, and he's going to clear that road, and we're going to get there so fast. So but before we take up this offering, let me pray for you really quick. Lord, thank you so much for what you're doing in our church and in our lives. Thank you, Lord, that you are, that you've given us a kingdom to be part of a new citizenship, God, a new home, a, a new thing that you're doing in us and through us. And I pray, God, that as we surrender ourselves to you more, God, that we would see the miraculous happen in our lives and in the people who you've called us to interact with and to reach in this community, to make God accessible to everyone. Everyone just keep your heads bowed and eyes closed very quickly. Maybe you're here today, you're not part of Compass. You're, you, you look you're like you're definitely, you are not part of this kingdom of God thing that we've been talking about today. And you know that. And yet, even as you're sitting here and we've been talking about it, you know, the, maybe for you, we're not talking about a sacrifice of money for you to, to give towards a church campaign. Maybe that's not what it is for you because that's not where you're at. You're not a citizen of this kingdom yet. But maybe for you, as you're listening to this, you're just like, I kind of want to be part of this. The invitation is open to you today to come and be part of this, to be adopted into this new family, to this new thing. In fact, the reality is the people of Compass Church, we invested our money to buy this building so that you could come in and you could be part of this kingdom. That's why this is here. That's why we do what we do, so that you could come and sit in this building and that you could say, you know what, yes, I want to be part of this. The invitation is out there to you. God is inviting you and he's saying, come, I created you for this. Come and experience my kingdom, which is love, joy, and peace in the Holy Spirit that you cannot find anywhere else in this world, that nothing else could provide for you. This is the only source. Come and be part of this kingdom. And if you're here today and you're like, I'm ready to say yes, you're your sacrifice isn't money. Your sacrifice is just you. And if that's you, nobody's looking around. I just want to pray for you. If that's you, I want to be part of the kingdom of God. I'm ready to say yes to Jesus. I've tried it on my own. It hasn't worked. I need something new. I need something different. And I'm ready to say yes to experience this thing that I see so many other people experience. If that's you, just slip your hand up right now so I can pray for you. I want to be part of this kingdom. I'm ready to say yes to Jesus. God, I thank you and I pray this with you. God, I pray, God, that you would move in me. God, I confess that I need you. God, I confess that, Lord, on my own, I can't make it. I can't do it on my own, and I need something more. I, I need to say yes to you, Jesus. So today I just confess that I, I'm a sinner, God. I, I, I've lived a broken and damaged life, and I've tried it on my own, and nothing works. And today I'm surrendering myself to you, and I'm asking you, God, to invite me into this new family, to invite me into this new kingdom, God, believing that you have a purpose and a plan and authority and love and hope and peace for me. Jesus, we love you, and we thank you for what you're doing in us today, and we pray it all in your holy name. Amen. Thank you for joining us at Compass. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you have any questions about Compass or this message, contact us at our website, www.compassbn.com.